Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And that is Luke chapter 2, verses 11. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, the president, Steve Den Hartog. Welcome back, everybody, and Merry <laughs> Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is the week before Christmas. It is. So uh, I hope everybody is getting ready and prepared for the craziness of Christmas and the holidays. And I really, I really hope everybody has a good time this year. I know yeah. that a lot of people are not going to be hanging out with family because of what's still going on uh, in, in the United States with COVID and around the world uh, for our worldwide audience. But if you do get to spend time with family, I hope you guys really enjoy yourself and have a good time and uh, wear your mask. Don't wear your mask. Who cares? You know, do whatever you want. <laughs> do, do whatever you want. We, we, I we think people, a- are, people are just <laughs> looking forward to just some normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, we are super excited as we start ending the year uh this will be our last podcast of the year we're going to take a little break here uh but we're going to be starting it right back up uh early on in uh january as uh uh, we'll have some guests on and we'll start back up again got some Uh, exciting things planned we got a lot of exciting things planned and we're just looking forward to just 2021 um we know we've been raising for a building fund and uh that has been going great and hopefully you know for uh our listeners out there thank you for giving and if you still want to give there's time i mean we're going to be doing this uh throughout 2021 still got what 13 days left. 13 yeah 13 days left um so you know please uh we need your help and we give thanks to the lord for everything he has done so far uh with uh, people helping out we are just a super small ministry here and man just to see god work uh wonders and open the doors and open the heart for uh people to give to this ministry this has been absolutely wonderful and amazing it really is and and just to give you a little bit of context we are right here on the border with mexico and so we don't reach just people in the u.s we reach a lot of people into mexico too yes so absolutely uh any way that you can help us is much appreciated just to bring the gospel to this part of the god's world yeah and uh we're just super excited what god uh has in store lord willing in 2021 uh you know this is his work so thank you very much but uh this week we have something special for you guys we do. uh we have uh, a friend another friend of the ministry dr michael cooper okay uh, he's been on uh, several episodes before. Uh, he has done the a physiology episode. You guys got to go check that out. Um, but this week, we're going to be talking about uh, Christmas and what that looks like. And exactly. you want to talk about it a little bit, that, yeah. Steve, just because, yeah. What what do you really know about Christmas? Mm. I think that's the question to ask with, <laughs> with this podcast, yes. right? Because we take a little quiz, so you yes. might want to uh, get get yourself a pen and paper, yes, and uh, get ready for this coming up because it's going to be really insightful. I think. I think you're going to learn a lot. Yes. Um, obviously, we know what the true meaning of Christmas is, you know, with regards to the birth of our Savior. Yes. But uh, how much do we know about those events that surround it? And uh, so that's what we're going to learn about today. Yeah. And how much do you let culture mm, or traditions exactly. yeah. influence what you know about? Jesus and his birth. Exactly. So yeah. uh, so we will give you a heads up. We did a study last week and we recorded it. Uh, so it was a Zoom call. And this was part of Dr. Michael Cooper's uh, 
uh, seminary classes that he has. Is that correct? That he yeah, it's one of the classes that he produces. Yes. So you can take the full class if you want if you go to his website, Ephesiology. Yes, absolutely. So for our listeners, I'm just giving you a heads up. So you're gonna hear some of the interactions that we had with some of the uh, people who attended. Uh, this Zoom call, but it's just going to feel like a normal podcast almost. But uh, please take a piece of paper and a pencil because you're going to be taking a quiz, all right, in the first part. And don't cheat, all right? <laughs> Do not cheat, okay? And um, and then just go back. And if you guys get an opportunity, do this to, you know, ask these questions to a friend or friend or or families. It's a great conversation starter for the holidays or even your pastor. Nobody has ever got 100 percent of these questions correct. And there's only 10 of them. But don't cheat. All right. See, and you can do it together. So it was really fun. It was. And uh, he gives an explanations about the questions mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And everything is scripturally based. And yes, I was absolutely shocked uh, at some of the answers that I gave. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Enjoy it. And just by the way, Steve got 100 percent because he cheated. <laughs> <laughs> so but um, but please, I hope you guys enjoy this. We did. And uh you know, share this during the holidays. I think it'll be, be really fun. So, all right, Steve, you want to get this part? Oh, hold, hold on. Hold on a second. Uh-oh. Make sure to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. Yes. <laughs> and don't forget to visit our website at BridgeBinLoreno. Yeah, check out the website. The website is new. We yes. have totally revamped it. So yes. check that out. Yes, absolutely. Go check it out. Uh, you know, uh, team team uh i don't even know like we need to get a name for the 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 i the what marketing or the the it marketing team yeah the yeah yeah we need to get them like a team name or something like that you know um but all right well steve why don't we get this podcast started uh hope you guys enjoy welcome back everybody it is a privilege and a pleasure for us to have dr cooper with us this morning so i know i'm looking forward to this presentation. I'll let Dr. Cooper tell you what it's about and maybe give a little bit of background as to what ephesiology is and get into the lesson. I know he's got a short quiz as well. So if you don't have a pen and paper um, with you, that would be a good idea to grab one right Mm now um, just so you can write down some answers. So I'll hand it over to uh, to Michael. Thank you so much, Michael, for being with us and for doing that. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to our uh, brief time together, but uh, I hope it'll be a beneficial and encouraging time together with everyone. I'm, as Steve said, I'm Dr. Michael Cooper. I direct a uh, educational initiative that we call Physiology Masterclasses, as well as am a uh, professor of missiology at Mission India Theological Seminary. I'm not in India. I'm coming to you from Michigan. Um, Yay, our home state. (laughs) Yeah, right. We don't quite have snow yet, but it is raining, and um, we have that sort of miserable Michigan weather for the next couple days anyway. Yeah, it's cold and rainy. Until we get some more snow. So, But thanks again for having me uh, come on. This is probably my favorite time of year. I love Christmas, and and it's not just about the gifts, but it's about the anticipation and the, you know the the time together with family and 
uh, and friends, although this year it's certainly going to look a little different than it has in past years. But nevertheless, uh, it's also a time of personal reflection on what I believe is probably the most significant historical event in the history of humanity. God became man. Um, you know, there were many people that were anticipating a, a resurrection. Even pagan religions were anticipating a resurrection. But nobody could have anticipated God becoming man to uh, share with us his beautiful message of good news. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. I want to begin, we're going to do this in two parts. I want to begin with a quiz on uh, the, the Christmas story and just test your knowledge about how you, how you understand the Christmas story. It's just a short quiz. It's 10 questions. And then uh, we'll talk about uh, that after we complete it. I'll show the questions up on the screen here in a moment. And then I, I want uh, to show a video. It's a recording of a lecture that I did that's a part of our Unwrapping the First Christmas uh, video study that we have at, uh, on the Physiology Masterclasses. And in that video, I'll talk about the dating of uh, the Christmas story. And, uh, and then we'll have some time of discussion. If we have time, um, I, which I don't think that we will, but if we were to have more time, then uh, we might dive more deeply into uh, both the nativity stories in Matthew's gospel as well as in Luke's gospel. Yeah. But for now, uh, let's do a, a Christmas quiz. Are, are you ready? Yeah. Ready. Do you have a piece of paper that you can write your answers down? All right, let me put the quiz up here for you. And uh, like I said, 10, 10 questions to uh, test your knowledge of the Christmas story. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. First yeah. question. All right, what did the angel Gabriel say to Joseph? That A, uh, that Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, B, that he will give uh, that he will give the baby the name Jesus. C, both A and B, or D, nothing. All right, got your answer. Yep. Second question. We'll go back and we'll review each of these answers. Second question: What mode of transportation did Mary and Joseph take to Bethlehem? Was it a donkey? Or B, a wagon, C, <laughs> a train. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to make this easy. Uh, or D, we don't know. All right. Question three. Who told Joseph that there was no room at the inn? Was it A, the innkeeper, B, Gabriel, C, Mary, or D, no one? All right, question four. Where in Bethlehem was Jesus born? In a manger, A, in a manger located in a stable? Or was it B, in the midst of animals and shepherds? C, was it both A and B? Or D, in a manger, but we don't know where? All right, 
Question five. How are you doing so far? Halfway through here. When did Mary give birth to Jesus? Was it A, immediately after they arrived in Bethlehem? B, on the 25th of December? C, on the way to Bethlehem? Or D, after a few days upon their arrival in Bethlehem? All right. Question six. How many wise men brought gifts and visited Jesus? Was it A, two wise men, B, three, C, four, or was it D, we don't know? Okay, here we go to question number seven. Where did the wise men visit Jesus? Was it A, at the manger after his birth, B, together with the shepherds at the stable, C, at the temple, or D, in a house in Bethlehem? All right, it's easy, isn't it? All right, question eight. How long did Joseph and Mary stay in Bethlehem? Was it A, approximately two years? B, a few days uh, because they fled to Egypt. C, several months so Mary could recover. Or D, 40 days. All right. Here we go. Did you mark your answer? All right. Question nine. Where did Mary and G Joseph go after Jesus's birth? Was it A, back to Nazareth, B, to Egypt, C, both A and B, or was it D, to Jerusalem? All right, and here we go, the final question. Why did Jesus come to earth? Was it A, to bring peace to the world, D, to serve and give his life for many, C, to save his people, or was it D, all of the above? All right. How do you think you did? Well, this was a quiz that I used to give my New Testament class every year before Christmas. Hmm. And in spite of my excellent teaching skills, my students more often than not failed this quiz. And uh, it's interesting, um, uh, the, the responses I would get and uh, the looks I would receive when the students learned the answers. Well, uh, we can quickly grade your quiz, and, uh, and it's easy to grade. Uh, all of the answers to this quiz are the letter D. Okay, so mark your quiz. How many did you get right? How many did you miss? Okay, good. Well, you know what? It's it's not unusual. I I rarely meet anybody as intelligent as Steve who would get them all right. Who cheats? Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? But let me let me give some explanation to the answers. Okay, so that first question: What did the angel Gabriel say to Joseph? Well, it was nothing. 
uh, Matthew doesn't tell us which angel it was that spoke to Joseph. Uh, it was just that there was an angel of the Lord and he appeared to Joseph. And we see this in Matthew chapter one, verse 20. And so it, a part of, uh, 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 of what we try to do with the physiology masterclasses and in our program is try to stick as closely to the text as possible. Um, we don't want to read into the text. And yet sometimes our culture influences us and we read things into the text of scripture that just really aren't there. And this is one of those occasions. In fact, that most of these are occasions where our culture has told us more about the Christmas story than scripture has. And so uh, th th there was not a named angel who spoke with uh, Joseph. What mode of transportation did Mary and Joseph take to Bethlehem? Well, we don't know, right? Um, uh, that one might have been one of the more easier questions, uh, but we assume that it was a donkey because everybody traveled by donkey, right? Um, just think about that, especially you women who have children. Can you imagine riding a donkey for uh, all of those miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem? Boy, I, I, I mean, I, we have three children, and I remember when my wife was pregnant, almost to give birth, that she was not comfortable, and I could never imagine her sitting on the back of a donkey. Uh, but the fact is, we just don't know. Uh, the, the, the Christmas story doesn't tell us uh, uh, what happened or how they arrived in, in Jerusalem. Here's one that's an interesting one. Who told Joseph that there was no room at the inn? And the answer is, like I said, is D. Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem and they learned that there was not an available room. And the Christmas story doesn't say who told them that. And we see this in Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Now I'll give a little bit more explanation to this in a moment. But, uh, but we love that picture, don't we, of Mary and Joseph on a donkey going from uh, hotel to hotel or inn to inn and, and the innkeepers telling them that there is no room. But that just simply isn't a part of the Christmas story. It's something that we've read into the story. Four, uh, the, the answer here in terms of where was Jesus born in Bethlehem? In a manger, yes, the scripture does tell us that, but we don't know where exactly. Um, we assume a stable at, because of the pictures that, that we have around the Christmas event. Uh, and yet the, the scripture doesn't tell us exactly where uh, Jesus was born, uh, except for this hint. And so we know it was in a manger, and in Luke 2, 7, Luke tells us that there was no room in the katalema. Uh, the katalema in Greek literally means guest room, hmm. but it's been translated in, uh, in most of our uh, English Bibles, except for the, I think the NIV does not translate it um, as in, but translates it as guest room. And this is interesting uh, because think with me a moment about the Christmas story and about uh, the, the birth event. 
just as it would seem strange to us today to put a pregnant woman uh, on the back of a donkey to travel from Nazareth to, to Jerusalem, doesn't it seem odd uh, to you, I, it does to me, that here Mary and Joseph, who are from um, the line of David, having to return to the city of David, where all of their relatives live. I mean, all of their relatives all over Israel are returning to Bethlehem, the city of David, to be registered for the census. And wouldn't you think that if you were pregnant, returning to a city of relatives, that they would have put you someplace other than a stable? Mm. Um, and so this makes sense that there was no room in the guest room because the guest rooms were taken up with relatives. But certainly the relatives wouldn't put a pregnant woman in a dirty stable with animals to give birth. Although the fact is, we just don't know where Mary gave birth. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? That does. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, five. When did Mary give birth? Well, uh, uh, Luke 2, 6 says that after a few days upon their arrival in Bethlehem, and yet so often in our Christmas stories, we'll see them, Mary and Joseph, traveling into Jerusalem, knocking on doors of inns that uh, did not actually exist in cities. Uh, the, those inns were, were uh, more uh, common along the travelways uh, between cities than they were in the cities themselves. But the picture of them knocking from door to door to find a place to give birth, and then they finally find a, a stable where it seems like almost immediately Mary gives birth to uh, Jesus. Uh, but Luke 2.6 tells us that after a few days upon their arrival in Bethlehem, Mary's, Mary gives birth. All right, six. Uh, how many got this one right? Did most everybody, were there three, two, three, four, or we don't know? But obviously we don't know. Matthew chapter two, verse one, just simply says that, uh, that they brought these wise men traveling from the east, brought the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And from those three gifts, we've, we assume that there were only three um, uh, wise men. There could have been two. We know that there was more than one because it's plural. They were wise men, um, but um, not, not necessarily three. We, we just don't know how many came. Um, it, it was a significant event that was taking place. And those who would have been uh, students, so to speak, of the stars would have known it was a significant event. And so there, it could very well be that there were more than uh, uh, three that came to see the birth of the king of the Jews. Seven. Who would these, wise men, who would these wise men be? Um, would they be like astronomers? in our context or how would you describe them yeah so the the greek word there is magos um, and we meet a magos in the book of acts if you recall elimaeus the the magician um, right. acts tells us and so this was a person who would have known the stars 
um, technically that he would have been or or they would have been astrologers, um, but not in the same sense of astrology today. Astrology today is is much different than what it was in the ancient world. Um, and uh, and so but in, in any case, they were people who consulted the stars to try to understand events that could uh, transpire. And it was a it was a rather technical uh, procedure uh, that they would go through. And so in 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 uh, in some sense in the ancient world, they would have been understood as being scientists Got or it. astronomers. Okay. Uh, okay. Good. Thanks. Question eight: How long did Joseph and Mary stay in Bethlehem? Well, 40 days. Luke 2.22 tells us that uh, the time of purification had come and Jesus was presented in the, in the temple in Jerusalem. And that was uh, an Old Testament requirement. So after 40 days, uh, Mary would have gone uh, to the temple for uh, purification. <clears throat> question nine. Uh, this one, if you would have gotten question uh, eight correct, you would have gotten nine, because question nine has to be Jerusalem. That we we typically think that they go to Egypt, and that's because we think that you know Mary and Joseph came to Jerusalem, uh, uh, Bethlehem. They uh, looked for an inn, they couldn't find one. They gave birth in a stable. Uh, the shepherds came, and then the wise men came, and then they had to flee to uh, Egypt because of uh, Herod. But the, the fact is, is that there was amount, an amount of time that, that, went, that came between the birth of Jesus and their flight to Egypt. Some um, suggest, and it, it probably is fairly accurate, that it could have been as much as two years uh, between the birth of Jesus and the visit of the wise men, just simply based upon the fact that Herod kills all the babies, uh, boys, uh, the two and under. And then also the, the text uh, talks about Jesus uh, uh, more as an infant than as a newborn baby. And then 10, uh, all of the above. Um, and this is a, a beautiful thing that the heavenly hosts declare in Luke 2.14, that there'd be peace on earth and the angel tells Joseph that Jesus would save his people from their sins in Matthew 2.21. And of course, in Luke 19.10, uh, Jesus tells us that he came to seek and save the lost. So there you have it. The un unadulterated uh, view of the Christmas story, just as close to scripture as we can get without the influence of culture. You know, I think that's important for us today because culture influences so much of, of what we believe about the Bible and a, about our Christian faith. And so it becomes so important for us as students of Scripture to really dig deeply into these stories because there's truth in these stories. And when we begin to add things on to those stories, then it really does become a myth. And it causes confusion in people's minds about really what is true about Jesus. 
And so as much as we uh, Christians and students of scripture can, it's important for us to stay uh, close to what scripture teaches and uh, not add on to um, it from our cultural backgrounds. Yeah, I'm just reminded of how, how much growing up in the church, how many of my um, misconceptions of that Christmas story come from things that I was, you know, probably taught as a, as a young person or saying about, you know, like the donkey and the angel Gabriel and the inn and the stable and stuff like that. It was just, just all of it, I think really comes from, you know, the Christmas stories that I heard every year as a kid growing up. Yeah. Uh, like Steve said, it's also in the book, but the, I'm not here to sell the book. Um, but of course, if you want to buy the book, it's it's uh, it was a fun book to write. Right? Good. Right. Any any questions or comments about the quiz before we uh, watch a video about the dating of the birth of Christ? Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around uh, question number one about what the angel Gabriel had said to Joseph. I, uh, I thought that he told Joseph the, the first two answers, but then I went back to Matthew chapter one, looking at the account where Joseph encounters the angel Gabriel. And uh, it's a little bit of a different explanation than what I remembered. So, huh, okay. Well, remember in Matthew one, it doesn't say the name of the angel, right? That's that's true. Yeah, but you know, and so again, we want to stick to, to the text. Um, there might be some good reasons to think that the angel was Gabriel, because after all, Gabriel came to Mary um, and to uh, Elizabeth. But uh, in Matthew's case, as as we see the angel speaking to Joseph, he's not identified. Um, but we do know that Gabriel often is uh, the one who brings an announcement. And yet in Luke chapter two, there's another angel who brings an announcement and that angel is not identified either. Uh, the angel who comes to the shepherds to announce the birth of Christ. All right, well, we're gonna watch a short video. It's about seven minutes long um, that will help us understand the dating of the Christmas uh, story, the birth of Jesus. And then after the end of the video, I'll pause it and we'll come back and uh, have some time for question and answer and discussion over um, the dating of the birth of Jesus. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll go from there, okay? Sounds good. Can you all hear, hear it? Dating the first Christmas is nearly an impossible task for there's no clear date given in the New Testament. Certain historical events recorded in Luke and Matthew's Gospels nevertheless help us in establishing a range for the possible date of the birth of Christ. If a range for the date can be established, then astronomical portents, such as the Star of Bethlehem and the Heavenly Host, might be of help to us to be more precise. We'll address these in chapters 6 and 7. 
For this chapter, we'll consider three important references to datable events in Luke's Gospel. First, the birth of Jesus occurred during the reign of Caesar Augustus. His reign can be clearly dated between 15 March 44 BC and 19 August 14 AD. We read this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. However, these dates are much too broad to be of help, but at least they give us a first historical point of reference. Second, Luke agrees with Matthew that the events took place in the days of Herod the king. Like Caesar's, the end of Herod's reign can be pinpointed fairly accurately to 4 BC. The Jewish historian Flavius Josephus relates that the very night of Herod's death, there appeared an eclipse of the moon, the only eclipse recorded by Josephus. This eclipse of the moon was in the constellation Virgo and can be dated at 12 to 13 March 4 BC. Third, Luke stated that the birth occurred during the time of a census. It was such a census that demanded Joseph's trip to Bethlehem from Nazareth along with Mary, who was pregnant with Christ. Both were of the household of David, and both needed to return to the city of David as the census required. The text specifically refers to a census around the time of Quirinius's governorship of Syria. Still, dating such a census has become problematic for pinpointing the, the birth event. There are two possible dates for the time of Quirinius's governorship, between 6 and 7 AD and between 4 and 1 BC. However, the text can literally be translated as before the governorship of Quirinius. The Greek is proteegeneto. If this is the proper translation, there still must be evidence to corroborate it. A number of such instances from Egypt indicate that Roman censuses took place every 14 years. Knowing that Quirinius was governor in 6 to 7 AD, and a census most certainly took place at that time, a prior census must have occurred in 6 to 7 BC. Leon Morris noted, quote, Certain inscriptions show that between 10 and 7 BC, Quirinius performed military functions in the Roman province of Syria. End quote. As such, Luke, Luke's account can be understood as a census before Quirinius's governorship, but during his military duty in Syria between 8 and 7 BC. As these factors, Herod's death, Quirinius's governorship, and the Roman census point to a birth sometime around 7 BC, but no later than 4 BC. Luke's account again helps in narrowing the time period by stating, quote, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Rabbinic law suggested that such flocks could be used for temple sacrifices and perhaps might indicate a birth near the time of a Passover. It was also common for flocks to be kept outside between April and November when the weather permitted. However, as Marshall pointed out, it shouldn't rule out a midwinter date for nothing in the text explicitly indicates a time of year. The early church did, however, suggest dates. For instance, a 3rd century testimony by Hippolytus gave a midwinter date of 25 December, 
and in the 4th century, St. Chrysostom confirmed the date. Nevertheless, there are interesting issues with such a date, as I noted in the previous chapter, since it corresponds to Sol Invictus, established by Emperor Aurelian in the 3rd century, as well as the Iranian-inspired Roman mystery religion of Mithras. This shouldn't strike us as strange, as early Christian practices attempted to appropriate important pagan holidays in order to bridge religious cultures. One second-century Christian writer, though, suggested a spring date, Clement of Alexandria. And he wrote, quote, And there are those who have determined not only the year of our Lord's birth, but also the day. And they say that it took place in the 28th year of Augustus and in the 25th day of Pashon. This date corresponds with the 20th the 21st of April, in the Gregorian calendar. As mentioned, the New Testament historical evidence suggests the narrowing of the possible range of dates for the birth of Christ to the spring of 7 to 4 BC. Yet there were possibly two additional events that occurred in the sky that night that might help determine the date of Jesus' birth. The heavenly host in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 and the star in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. With such a time frame in, in mind and additional details, we can begin to search for particular astronomical events that would be suggestive for the birth of Christ. This is the subject of the next two chapters. Such astronomical events shouldn't surprise us. As Alexander Topol has noted, Jews were well acquainted with Greek astrology during the Second Temple period, so it's not unusual to find references to the stars. First, let's look at the Nativity according to Luke. Okay, the dating of Jesus' birth. Uh, what stuck out to you in uh, that lesson? Well, it just reminds me a lot of some, a lot of the historical things we watch. And I'm trying to think, what was that special we watched not too long ago? But again, that whole dating things is that there's this range and assumptions are made. And then the fact that you have to really keep on digging because sometimes things were out of whack or they were, again, just assumptions that were kind of passed down, but were not really the actual date. So kind of like December 25th. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, there are issues with the calendar. We had we have different calendars that we use uh, in in dating. Um, uh, you know, for us today, compared to the ancient world, um, some are based on a solar calendar, others on a lunar calendar, and those things impact uh, the, the range of dates as well. It reminds me of a special that I saw about somebody who was able to, with a computer, go back and look at the astrology um, of that time, and they tried to figure out a date. I don't know if you're going to be getting into that, but I found it interesting. I don't know if it's true at all. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, um, I we won't today. I would love to. Uh, time is going to limit what we can get into, but I do talk about that in uh, in my explanation of both the star of Bethlehem, as well as the heavenly host in Luke chapter two. So Matthew chapter two is, is the visit of the wise men and the, the star that they followed that appeared in the east. 
And then in Luke chapter 2, uh, there's a description of what is called the, the host of heaven, the heavenly host. And uh, that gives some explanation to that as well. We might touch on that just very briefly because I think that that might be significant. But I think it is really interesting, though, that the fact that, I mean, that was one of the things that got me that when God created the earth and put the heavens in motion, it's like a clock. And Johannes Kepler, you mm. know, was able to figure that out. And so that, yeah, if you punch in a date, you can know exactly what was happening in the sky at that time. Just like right now, they're letting us know on December 21st, there's going to be that conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, which is typically called the Christmas star. And again, they know that because God's order in his universe. And I just think mm. that, yeah, that just blows your mind. Yeah, the, and that's an interesting one. I, I, I love astro astronomy. And uh, we get our telescope out and we watch those interesting events. And I know that's been uh, a popular one that's being posted in social media, especially because of its coinciding with uh, with our celebration of Christmas, the, the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. It, it's interesting. And I've been uh, going back to look at, well, uh, how would the ancients have understood those two stars converging at the same time? And uh, we do have some ancient writings that kind of connect those planets with certain uh, countries or regions, as well as with certain events. So Saturn in the, uh, the Greek, Greek mythology was known as Kronos, uh, the father of the gods. Um, and uh, he was a malevolent god. Uh, he, he, there, nothing good followed him. And uh, the, the ancients, when they would have seen Kronos uh, in the sky, would have associated that with something bad that was going to happen. Um, and, and the assumption was that it could actually mean the death of a king because Kronos was the king of the gods. So it might have indicated a, a death of the king. Uh, Jupiter or Jove, uh, or in Greek, he's known as Zeus. Um, when his star appeared in a particular constellation, uh, th that indicated, uh, the ancients would think, that indicated the birth of a king. And so when you have two of them coming together in what is called a conjunction, uh, and that, that is an astronomical term, not an astrological one, um, then for those who would follow astrology, it meant that there could be the death of a king and the birth of a king. And so that sounds really familiar, doesn't it, for us um, in terms of, of uh, Jesus's birth. But the key for the ancients was to, to look at where in the sky was this going to happen. And gosh, now I, I don't remember. I just looked at this a, a couple of weeks ago, but I can't think now of what constellation it was. But the constellation that it is appearing in is often... Was it, was it Virgo, the Virgin? I, I you know it, what? I, I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say Virgo, um, but I wasn't exactly sure. I'll have to go back and look at some notes that I took. But, um, but whichever constellation it was, I do remember that that constellation uh, in the ancient world was associated with Britain and Gaul, uh, kind of the Northern European uh, area. And, uh, and so it didn't have an association with, with Israel. 
Pisces is often associated with Israel. Um, Aries, Pisces, and and Leo. But um, it, so yeah, so to to connect, you know, what we'll see on the 21st of December with uh, the birth event, I think probably is stretching a, a little bit, although it certainly is a, a, an astronomical uh, curiosity, if anything. But, um, but it, and I think for us as believers, it's important to, um, to be accurate in how we're interpreting that birth event because it is a historical event. And, and uh, we don't want to um, downplay the historicity uh, of that story. Um, and, then, and then, you know, try to find things that might connect with what we see there. Uh, because when proven otherwise, like in the case of uh, the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter on the 21st of December of this year, then it makes the story of Jesus more of a myth than it does of a historical event. If that does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know even this week with me and my little story time kids, we just videotape it now. And I talked about, you know, there there could be, you know, conjunctions or whatever, but I said, you know, God did what he did to make it very clear. So mm. I made it clear that it was something of God. Yeah. that was special and unique and again maybe you know some of it was the natural order of the rotation of you know planets and constellations and stuff but the fact that again it was something special that god had a very you know that's all we know but that yeah that, made it yeah. clear <laughs> but it would have been Absolutely. something that they would that the wise men would have Recognize. specifically recognized as being associated with Bethlehem, right? I mean, that or, specific area. Yeah, with Jerusalem specifically, or I'm sorry, with Israel specifically. How would they have narrowed it down to Bethlehem? Well, remember that they went to Jerusalem first, and, uh, and then Herod had uh, a consultation with the Jewish priests, and they determined it would be Bethlehem. Okay. And so that's how the wise men ended up in Bethlehem. And so the, the star directed them to Israel because the event was going to take place in Israel. And then the prophecy in the Old Testament directed them to, uh, to Bethlehem specifically. That's right. So the star was not necessarily directly above the manger in Bethlehem. It I want to say it was. <laughs> it was. It was more likely that they were directed there well again yeah and again he's older so it wouldn't have been above the right yeah yeah i'm yeah, yeah but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm being facetious but so it was it was because of the direction of the um wise men in jerusalem i tend to think that it was a, a natural event that was orchestrated by god um uh i mean he's the one that that put the stars in place right and I think of Psalm 19, that uh, the psalm writer says, and Paul quotes the psalm writer in Romans chapter 10, that the heavens declare the glory of God. And, uh, and I think that's so true. And it's a part of the way in which God revealed himself to those who didn't have scripture. So, so remember that I think it's so important that when the wise men come to Jerusalem, 
that Herod sends to consult with the Jewish priests the scripture. And it's from scripture that they determine that the birthplace is Bethlehem. And so, yes, general revelation is general revelation. God's creation gives us information about who he is in a general way. But scripture is special revelation. And so it's in, the, it's in here that we get the detail that we need to really understand. And so general and special revelation work hand in glove almost as a part of God's divine uh, desire to make himself known. And, and that's what's so beautiful, I think, about the, the Christmas story is that, that, yes, God makes himself known in the heavens, and he, he orchestrates the skies in such a way that there is this fantastic uh, astronomical event or multiple events one being the star of Bethlehem. And I, I think there's good evidence in Luke chapter two that the host of heaven is a massing of stars or a massing of planets. Um, that those general re, uh, uh, revelation events um, are understood in the context of God's special uh, revelation, that here Jesus has come into the world the word of God made flesh to, to give us uh, uh, a deeper, uh, more accurate and profound understanding of what God is doing and bringing good news that's for all people for, for all time. Which I think gives more credence to the belief that this was something that, that, that God obviously orchestrated, you know, hundreds of years before because when we see the the astrological event or astronomical event played out it happened specifically at that time when yeah. when it was predicted that Jesus would be born so i think it just goes to um show you know god's sovereignty and his providence in working all of that out in an exact way yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's that that's important. And and to maintain the uniqueness of this event compared to any other astronomical event, you know, the one that's going to happen on December twenty fifth happened five hundred years ago, but the one that happened in four BC in the spring has never happened again. Uh -huh. uh, those events in that we see that, um, that tell us about the birth of Christ were absolutely unique events, and they have not been repeated. Um, and that's so important uh, to, for us to, to hold on to. Great. Interesting stuff. Good. Oh, any other thoughts about the dating? We've talked about the stars, but uh, any other thoughts about the actual date? of Jesus's birth. I um it's not the first time I've been in a discussion regarding the actual like 25th of December being the birth date of of Jesus. Um I think it was back in 2011 where it came almost as a challenge like do you really believe, you know, that um and then looked at the 
some of the reasonings that your video showed with uh, King Herod and then um, the governor and then the census and then kind of how all that coincides and then the, the shepherds with their flock, you know, just kind of, or their herds just kind of staying uh, out at night with them. And so um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm surprised, like I'm not stunned by anything that we're talking about, um, but I, I will say that I, with regard to questioning December 25th, is it kind of what I landed on was that that date was chosen because it was replaced by two, I guess in the, in the time there was a lot of pagan holidays per se. And then that date was just switched and, and someone just placed the birth date on that day. So I just, that would be my only question. Like, how do we settle on that day? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's unclear historically how we settled on that date. As I mentioned in the video, uh, there's an early church father, Hippolytus, that uh, does tell us that that was the date that the church chose. Whether or not it was chosen to uh, supplant the pagan holidays, that, that, there's been question around that. Um, it, there is some suggestion that during the time of Aurelius is when the, the Sol Invictus was really prominent in the Roman Empire. And so that that postdates the, the birth of Christ. Um, it could be that uh, in the midst of that celebration that the Christians wanted to, uh, you know, do something significant. Um, and, and instead of talking about the birth of the sun, you know, the solar object in the sky, we talk about the birth of the son of God. And so that, that could be what the early church was uh, thinking about. Um, but isn't it interesting that if a spring birth is uh, merited, and I, I do think it is, I, I think the text of scripture, uh, as well as uh, the, you know, the things that we know in terms of the astronomical events, I think it does indicate a spring birth. And, uh, but wouldn't it be interesting or, or, or isn't it interesting to think that Jesus was born around the Passover and he died around the Passover? I mean, the Passover was such a significant Jewish event. And still, even to this day, it's significant. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a significant event for us to understand what God did to ensure that our sins would be covered. Um, and, uh, and to see in God's sovereignty that um, he comes to earth on a Passover and he leaves this earth on a Passover just drives home how important that event is for our own salvation and for the salvation of the world. It reminds me of Abraham and Isaac on the mountain. And mm. I mean, just as you were saying that if he were to come or he was born around the Passover that even um, it's just significant of how he does, God does provide um, for that. Yeah. Good. Well, let me ask one final question. How does this help you in terms of talking about the Christmas story with others? Well, when you were kind of going over the answers, and especially that last answer, I thought, what a beautiful way 
that that's the last question because then you get to go segue into and then read those scriptures. Mm. You know, actually read those scriptures out loud. And I love like Rosaria Butterfield talks about how they bring the Bibles out. And they said, she says, we bring the Bibles out for family devotions, not to stop the conversation, but to invite Jesus into the conversation. And so I thought this is a very kind of cool way to talk about it. Again, just kind of trivia, but then you bring it home about why did he come? And you read those passages of scripture and let the Holy Spirit do the work. I just think that's really cool when you, yeah. you know, that was your last question. Yeah, good. I think too, just the, the knowledge that um, of the reality of this as an historical event helps when we're talking with people. Um, you know, especially maybe, especially non-believers or those who would call themselves agnostics or atheists, you know, um, asking us why we believe in Jesus and who he was, who he claimed to be. And I think we can go back to the reality of the historical event. We don't, you know, just have to defer, well, you know, I believe it's right because, you know, I feel a change in my heart or life, which is all true, but we can also, we also have the hard objective evidence, mm -hmm. the reality of that event taking place as well. And it's not just, um, you know, us as Christians who claim that it's, it's corroborated with, you know, other historical evidence as well. So I think it's helpful um, in that way. I think we can use the same type of um, trying to date things and trying to figure out what is truly true um bring in like the history of Josephus and other historical things to talk about the resurrection as well mm. that you know the birth of Christ there's a lot that we know but we don't know every detail and the resurrection of Christ and I think that can become an interesting conversation yeah great yeah mm. I think it's really important to get the Christmas story right as, as biblically as we can, because people have misconception about other biblical stories. Uh, and we have to be, we have to show people that scripture is sufficient, that it's, it's true, that it's not a myth. And if we ourselves as Christians are seeing, are believing the mythical stories about Christmas just based on tradition, how can we be a true witness in proving that the rest of the Bible is right? if I'm contradicting myself. So it's really, it's really important for us to dig into the word, maybe not to know exact dates, but to know, okay, this, this is what the word says, and I'm not going to make anything up besides that. And just like the Christmas story is true, the story of creation is true, the story of, you know, Jonah, of Noah, mm -hmm. and all those stories are true. And I, I think that's a better witness, because when we're inconsistent, when we say we're believers and we're inconsistent with our belief that scripture is sufficient and true, then we're really believing a myth. This really comes home because today we're kicking off our Mama Bear Apologetics class. And it's all about making sure that what we, or the one that we're really teaching our kids, like equipping our kids to defend their faith. But her point was, and the research is that people, kids who go to Sunday school and stuff, actually walk away from the faith more but I think it's because like she said, we teach these things as cute little stories or again, we've added and turned them into myths so that then when they start hearing conflicting evidence, they think these are just stories. 
Um, and so I'm just super excited. And then obviously I'm going to be mentioning this today. <laughs> but I think the fact that we want to really teach our kids truth and then the chew and spit method, you, you know, you take in, you keep what is good, you spit out what is bad and being able to, again, compare it to the word of God. Yeah, that's great. Well, I love that. I love uh, all of your thoughts about the significance of this story and the importance of staying to the text and and uh, the point of uh, of uh, how we create myths and how that can be a detraction to people coming to faith. Um, if there's a downside to any of this, for me, it's that the story of the little drummer boy is not true. <laughs> and that's my favorite Christmas story. I love it. I've already watched it once this year. Um, I'm sure I'll watch it again. Our kids aren't home. All of our kids aren't home yet. And, and so we'll watch it again. I love that story. And what I love about that story, I think it still is applicable to us, that we bring to Jesus what we have. It doesn't have to be elaborate. And more than likely, it's not. I know I have nothing really to offer him except myself. Mm-hmm. But we bring what we have to him in worship of him. And he is certainly worthy of that worship. I'm so grateful for this time. Thank you, Steve, for inviting me and Abe. And uh, thank you all for interacting uh, with me. This has been a lot of fun. It makes my Christmas even more exciting. I know. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time, Michael. We su- we really appreciate this. This was this was a lot of fun. Michael, by the way, is the person if you don't know who, uh, who is our contact person for, and who is is part of the uh, the master's degree program that we are uh, Lord willing going to be able to offer through, through Bridge, and uh, so we're super excited about about that collaboration. Yeah, I am too. And I'm looking forward to how the Lord's going to use those things. So great. Well, let me do, I, I, I would uh, make my colleagues upset if I didn't at least mention, uh, we'd love to have you come on our Facebook page and like us if you haven't already. So please do that. And uh, right now we're in a series uh, for this Christmas season on uh, Christmas and Revelation. And uh, it's just been a, such a joy to read through the book of Revelation and, and uh, to think about Jesus who sat on a throne, came to a cradle, and to reflect on the, the significance of what he did. So you can join us there or even on my personal Facebook page, uh, Michael T. Cooper, or Michael.T.Cooper, I think is how you find me uh, on that page. But I'd love to be your friend. Love to have you as friends of the physiology as well. What is the physiology uh, website address? Uh, the, the website is physiology.com. Okay. And Facebook is just search at physiology. Got it. Good deal. Well, thank you right. so much. Thank and can you. I can I close this out with prayer? Please. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this day and for the opportunity to learn. Father, we thank you for the minds that you have given us and for the teachers that you have given us as well. We thank you for Michael and his willingness to 
come on and to share um, what he has learned about your revelation to us in your word, and uh, especially as it points to Jesus Christ, our salvation. And so we thank you for that. We pray that during this Advent season, that that truth, that reality would uh, take hold of us to an even greater extent, and that we would just take the time that we need to, to pause, to dwell on the significance of the coming of the Lord Jesus to earth, take on flesh, and to live in our place in, a, in perfect obedience, and then to die on the cross and take, take the punishment for sin that we so deserve so that we could have a life, uh, an eternal life with you. And so we thank you, Heavenly Father, uh, for this time together, we pray that it was pleasing to you, and we pray that you would watch over us in the remainder of this day, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Great Thank to meet you. you. Take care, Michael. Thank you. Merry Bye. Christmas. Thank you. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode uh, with Dr. Michael C Cooper on Christmas. Uh Wow, I hope you guys didn't cheat on the <laughs> on that test. I'm sure you guys were probably like, what's going on here? And I hope that you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, we did. Uh, I mean, what did you think, Steve? It was did, a journey. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. I just loved his uh, explanations mm. and uh, just helping us to see how we see things, as you said earlier, through our cultural lens. And we need to make sure that we're going back to Scripture. Yes. Again, with everything. That's that's the thing that I got out of even just like we always talk about it like go back to service but like this is another just time where I'm just like yes what exactly the scripture say and not me interpreting that scripture through the lens of my traditions right. through my songs that yeah. I learned as I was growing up through the stories yeah so I mean. I mean, I'm going to go with a baseball bat in the neighborhoods and just start knocking down like the three wise men's, you know, and the donkeys in the, don the donkeys. in the donkeys. Yeah. So just saying. But no, I'm totally kidding. I'm not doing that. And I don't suggest you do it. But all right. Well, this is a, a kind of a long uh, episode. So, you know, how we always end our show, guys, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. Till next year, Amen. And, Merry, and Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Later.